Today I'm going to be giving you a brief overview of Melbourne's history. This is the fifth episode in the History of Great Cities series, so let's dive in. Well, Melbourne is quite a young city by global standard, it's got a pretty interesting history. Pre-establishment, pre-1800. Now, while we like to think that Melbourne only started in the 19th century, it's actually far older than that, with Indigenous Australians estimated to have been here about 40,000 years before Europeans arrived. Initial temporary settlement, i.e. the first three decades of the 1800s. Attempt one. So this was the first attempt of settlers to get to Melbourne. The rivalry between the two great world powers at the time, the British and the French, led the British to send a few hundred people to essentially put a flag in the ground and settle the area around Melbourne. The colony lived in Sorrento for a little while, but soon left for Tasmania due to the lack of fresh water. Another attempt was also made after this, but that also failed. Permanent Settlement, 1830s. In 1835, settlers from Tasmania headed to Melbourne, but this time landed on the Yarra River, the river which cuts through the city today, near where the Immigration Museum sits. They came in search for land that their sheep could graze, since they had heard from the whalers who had been cruising the Bass Strait, who told stories of how good the land was in Melbourne for this purpose. Now, unlike before when there was fear of French settlement, New South Wales was now reluctant to allow another colony on the mainland, as this would challenge the position of Sydney as the main colony. However, the colony grew so fast that there was no way to stop it. First years and introduction of official government supervision, 1840s. New South Wales sent Governor Burke down, who officially named the city Melbourne, after the British Prime Minister of the time. Land was surveyed and officially sold with titles. Gold Rush, 1850s. Melbourne boomed in the 1850s as a result of the gold rush in the regions in the north. Without this gold rush, Melbourne may have remained a sheep grazing hub for much longer, with there being about 6 million sheep in 1851. Taking shape, 1860s to 70s. Most of the land in what is considered today the central business district was sold by now. By 1860, Melbourne was taking shape, and particular parts of the city took on traits which we still see today. Collins Street, which is home to the most valuable real estate in Melbourne, developed particular traits for each of its sides. The east end of Collins Street, which today we call the Paris End, saw more of the medical profession, while the west end saw insurance and banking companies. Going international, 1880s. In 1880, Melbourne held the International Exhibition, which cemented Melbourne's reputation as a major international city. Seeds of Melbourne's characteristic urban sprawl were also planted. The middle class lived in standalone homes on large blocks, while the working class lived in more cosy cottages in the north and west inner suburbs. New suburbs were accessible via tram and a train network, 
considered at the time to be very modern. Going bust. 1890s. So far, Melbourne had only seen upside, but this couldn't last forever. With the prosperity Melbourne had enjoyed, increasing levels of speculative activity also came with it, culminating in a large financial crash. Banks went broke and unemployment is said to have been about 20% during this time. Recovery plus capital, 1900s and 1910s. What goes down must come up, and this was the true with the turn of the new century. Since the Federation in 1901, Parliament sat in Melbourne, but eventually they moved this to the official capital city, or Canberra. 1910s. Around World War I, large buildings like Flinders Street Station, the first railway station in Australia, were built. And by the 1920s, Flinders Street Station was the busiest passenger station in the world, surpassing the likes of Grand Central Station, New York. Wars, 1920s to 40s. The Wall Street crash and the start of World War II saw growth become static. Material shortages and building restrictions took place. Organised crime was spiked as well. Post-war, 1950s to 70s. The first skyscraper in Melbourne was built, named ICI House. It still stands today at its adorable height of 81 metres. The Melbourne Olympic Games took place, with Olympic fever taking over the city and laid the roots for Melbourne to become the sports capital of the country. Freeways, 1980s to 1990s. With the freeway network becoming more extensive while trams and trains underwent a period of stagnation, this is when Melbournians became fond of the car. Urban sprawl gobbled up area from Werribee to Dandenong, which today make up the outer ring of Melbourne. In the late 1980s, a financial crash took hold. This was a rough decade for Melbourne with high interest rates and poor policy. Melbourne's population growth slowed as unemployment rose. People were even moving to other states like Queensland in large numbers. Large amounts of privatisation took place and large budget cuts were made. By the end of the 90s, Melbourne was back to growing well. 2000s. In the 2000s, growth accelerated and budgets were restored by newly elected governments. The government tried to restrict suburban growth with designated green wedges. However, urban sprawl continued growing into these green wedges. 2010s. Livability rankings regularly place Melbourne at number one in the world. For example, Melbourne was voted the world's most livable city from 2011 to 2017, seven years in a row. Well, that's it. I hope you found that interesting. Going forward, I'll put a pause on the history series, but may return to it in the future. Next time around, I'll start a series which I'm really excited about, which overviews different real estate markets around the world, which will help answer questions like, how is real estate different from, say, Toronto compared to Manchester? See you next time.